Well, I just wanted to let you know, uh, we will have kiddos in here with us today. Uh, we're going to have some kiddos in here with us today, which we're excited for because we gave our leaders a break to be in here as well. Um, and our kids are going to be taking sermon notes. Isn't this fun to teach them right? Taking sermon notes, sermon notes for kids. And I'm going to teach you, uh, us old people, use this sheet to help you pay attention and learn during church service today. All right? We want you to worship with us by singing to God and listening to the message. Okay? All of us old people, are you with me on that? Are we going to sing to God and listen to the message? Yes. What is the main passage we are reading today? Things like this will help you as well to stay engaged in there. Who is teaching? Pastor Justin. I like that guy. Words you heard but did not know. Abba, meaning Father. Good job. And also for our younger ones, they're still celebrating the holidays as well. They're going to get to color and things like that and have some fun. So it's good. Also, what, honey? They're in the foyer. Kara helps me with everything. Also, we want to celebrate a, a newlywed couple. Christopher and Grace, welcome back, guys. All right. And uh, I don't know where she's at, but uh, Miss Ashley Campbell, uh, she's probably in the office right now, as she always is, is about to celebrate a big birthday on Tuesday. So shout out to Ashley Campbell. I don't want to divulge her age because I don't want to be that guy. All right. But let's just say she's not in her 20s anymore. All right. And she makes it happen here. One of our, our, our greatest team players. So are you guys ready? You ready to do this? Let's go. I'm going to need you. Uh, Kara said, I don't know how you paid attention so well, Justin, in, in Christmas Eve service with all the kids having fun as well. We can do this, okay? And it's great, like Jordan uh, made mention after the service, that kids see you worshiping God. Children need to see their parents worshiping God. They need to see their parents listening to the message. So if you hear a child talking, this is what life is supposed to be like, all right? And this will also help you college students not to have children yet, all right? Put it in order. Put it in order. God, marriage, then them babies, okay? So um, we're, we're going to be concluding an Advent series. You're like, Justin, we're talking about Advent's way over. Uh, not way over. Uh, I want us to get a good understanding of what life looks like beyond Advent, okay? Life beyond Advent. And you see I just kind of put a little rubber stamp over uh, not a season of expectancy, but a life of expectancy. And I think this is so important for us to have a life of expectancy. If we are followers of Christ, we should always be expecting him to show up in our situations, not just at Christmas and Easter. Jesus is not a creaster. He is an all-year-round kind of Savior, okay? Do you get what I'm saying? So we should have a life of expectancy, and that's what I want us to have here as the foundry. That's what I want as your leader, a life of expectancy, always looking for him to show up. So what I'm going to do is quickly rehash just our main points of Advent as we celebrate it by lighting candles and reading some scriptures that I will highlight quickly with some key themes that we carried throughout the Advent season. Week one was that of hope, and that is so important for us to understand that we were Isaiah 9, 2, 6 through 7 is the context, but a people walking in darkness, and they have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. And what, what do we celebrate? A child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful counselor, and I'm hoping you experience that this Christmas season. A wonderful counselor, a mighty God, a everlasting Father, Abba, like we talked about today, 
and a prince of peace. What is that hope? You'll see them quickly defined on your screen. That is an optimistic state of mind based on an expectation. Such a big word. Anybody's ever done premarital counseling with me? When you hear that word expectation, you're like, okay. An expectation based on positive outcome to events and circumstances. But we are talking about even further a biblical hope, which means to wait for. And that's what Advent was about, celebrating the coming Savior, but the second coming of our King Jesus, okay? And there's that feeling of tension while we wait because we know that there's work to be done. The second week was that of peace. Isaiah 43 through 5, a voice of the one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Preparation is what we talked about according to peace and that being a realization in our life that we have to make something or someone ready for consideration. That's what preparation looks like. Making something ready, all right, for consideration. You can't just throw a whole chicken in there. You got to prep the chicken, especially if you want the good stuff, right? You got to prep it and get it ready for what you really want. But when you think about peace, in your life, we have to prepare for that. And this piece was the word shalom. Say shalom. shalom. Don't you feel so educated right now? Shalom, shalom. All right, this is to be made whole or complete. The visual as if there is a block missing in the wall, which is a weakness in the wall and a weakness within the kingdom, the protection that is around it, that piece of block being placed in there. And when we think about Jesus Christ, and what he did as he was inserted into our lives, into this world, we have the opportunity to become whole and complete. That we can have peace even when things are in pieces. Are you with me on that? And I hope that you experienced that over this Christmas season too, as you were surrounded by people or things or situations that weren't that favorable. Okay, You experienced peace. The halfway point was an understanding of joy. Matthew 2 10 through 11, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child was with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. We talked about Christian joy, Christ follower joy, and that is a decision. And that's so important for us to understand. This is a decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' own life and his love. We see his life, we see his love. We decide to say, you know what? I will experience this joy because of what Jesus did for me. He made me whole. He gave me shalom. He gave me hope. I am feeling Christian joy. I am understanding Christian joy. Week four was that a love. Derek Strait knocked it out of the park with this. A total different perspective that, that I was ever thinking and also such great insight. Uh, did you guys enjoy that too? I loved it if you were here uh, last Sunday. You enjoyed that with me. And it's the, the story of the Samaritan. Uh, and in the context is Luke 10, 35 through 37. And the question was asked of, of the religious leader, the one who knew the law in and out, which of these three do you think was a neighbor? So often we think of, of, of who, who is the neighbor versus how am I the neighbor. And he talked about, Derek talked about neighborly love. The question isn't who is my neighbor, rather who was the neighbor in the situation. And that was so important to understand that this story was written for that man who knew the law. Okay, we get to glean from it today. But that man who knew the law to say, you know what, the, the neighbor was the one 
acted as a neighbor who had mercy. And I think that's so important for us. And then Christmas Eve, we celebrated the light of Jesus Christ. John 1, 4 through 5. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. We started with that understanding of darkness that it is in this world, but we have Jesus coming as the light, and he shines in that darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This understanding that when your life is in the light, and all of these things will make even more sense as we share in just a moment from Luke 5, that when you walk into the light, your nature which is typically of all mankind, even after salvation, sin nature, being exposed. In the light, you see it, okay? And the desire for me, for myself, and for us is to walk into the light to be seen by God. 100% of us be seen by him. Walking in, but also being his light. And we'll drive that home today as well. The challenge, will you be it and do it concerning the light of Christ? Okay, so... Today, what I want us to do, I love making things real, and I think it's so important. Hopefully, that whole rehash gave you the full picture because a lot of folk traveled and a lot of people were away, which we always encourage to be with family. Um, But today, I want us to, to make this real because Scripture is filled with real people that experience real life. A lot of times, we think that it's just arbitrary characters in a book that is so old that is not even relevant to today, but these are real folk that were going through similar situations. They just didn't have iPhones. They just didn't have high-speed internet access to figure out how to really answer Jesus when he asked who was the neighbor, okay? Do you see what I'm saying here? Still, the human condition was prevalent then, needing friends, needing family, but needing a savior, needing someone to step in to fill the void with salvation, to reconnect us to God. Because since the very beginning, the fall of man, I saw a great picture depicting uh, what, what this really looked like through baby Jesus being born was, was Eve in the garden and then Mary standing with baby Jesus in her belly. Right then and there, the exchange, right? Jesus being born from the beginning to the end, that God's idea is redemption for us, for you and for me. Such a beautiful story. So Luke 5, 1 through 11, I want us to continue with a life of expectancy, and I think you'll glean from someone here who understands what that looked like. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. You'll always find, if Jesus is out and about, there's a crowd, for the most part, because this guy represented something in society they had not yet seen. Okay, and this is what I want us to get at today, that Jesus represents something to you that you have not yet seen, or hopefully you will rediscover for the first time again today. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. We see here that there were two boats that were just placed by the side because a couple, a couple uh, groups of folk had just ended their job for the evening of fishing. So we see two boats vacant of those folk who were in there all night long fishing, trying to catch fish because that was their job. They were trying to make money, all right, to live, okay? So we see these empty boats at the edge left there by fishermen who were washing their nets, cleaning their nets because it was important to keep your nets clean if you ever wanted to catch fish again because those nets were like a bell-shaped net that you would throw out and they had weights on the bottom. And when they would drop down into the water, 
they would go over top of the fish, and then the fishermen would pull the rope, and it would gather the weights, and then they'd be able to pull the nets onto their boats, okay? That's how they fished. So we see them cleaning their nets so that their job, their profession, could be secured for the next time, right? You got to keep, keep your tools clean. You have to keep things clean and orderly if you want to make the job happen, okay? So he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Simon who? Simon Peter. Luke calls him Simon, which I think is important because Luke knows a lot about Simon Peter and that he saw what God did through Simon Peter. And I'll get more into that later, why he was Simon and why he was Peter as well. You'll hear more about him in just a moment. But Luke makes mention of his name being Simon. And he asked him to put out a little from shore. Okay, he says, hey, Simon, I want to get in your boat your fishing vessel, and I want you to put out a little bit from shore because why? The crowds are gathering around me, and you can picture Jesus at the water's edge himself right there at the boats. He has no other place to go. So where does he go? Into a mobile pulpit called a boat, okay? So he steps into Simon's fishing vessel, and he's pushed out to shore, pushed out in the water just a bit. Isn't this a cool story? I love it. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Typically, they would be standing. But can you imagine trying to stand on a boat out in the water? So Jesus sat down and he spoke with the people. He talked with the people. This is captured in Matthew 13. Uh, and it was some, some great parables that Jesus was sharing with the people there on the shore. Uh, one of them that's very important, it'll make sense later, was that of the parable of the soils. Uh, there was other ones in there as well that were really great. But parable of the soils and talking about good soil and how the message will fall, the gospel message will fall will fall on different types of soil and how it will be received accordingly, okay? So he sat down and taught the people from the boat, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for the catch. So apparently either he had the nets with him when he took Jesus out or he came back, got the nets, or went back out or dropped Jesus off. We don't know. But what we see here is that Jesus is telling Simon to go fishing again. I don't know about you, but when I'm done and all my tools are cleaned up, I don't like when Kara's like, hey, Jess, can we maybe do this too? Or do you know what I'm saying by that? Husbands, are you with me on that? You know what I'm talking about? It's like mar marital counseling can happen. I'll help you out. I'm, I've, no, but there's always a job to be done at the Myers house, okay? And I don't like to get the tools out unless I'm doing a bunch of jobs, and then when the tools are away, we're going to wait till next time, all right? Because it's a fiasco, Matt. You know what I'm talking about. It's a production. So we see Simon had put away the nets, if you will, because he had just cleaned them on his fishing vessel, on his professional vessel. It was his job as a fisherman. And then you have Jesus saying to him, go put out into the deep. Go out further. Go out to this specific place. I don't know about you, but I know Jesus, 100% God, 100% man. Okay, Simon, you can tell that he knew that as well. I might be like, um, so, brah, I'm done for the day. I'm tired. You know what? Last night was not very successful. I'm actually a little downtrodden. All right? I'm not very happy right now about fishing. I just want to take a break and be done. But you can kind of see here that, that as we know the background of the stories that Jesus is talking about and sharing with these people from the boat, that I'm sure it's piquing Simon's interest a little bit as well. He's like, okay, 
He's telling these, these, these heavenly stories with earthly meaning, these parables, and something's happening in my heart, and that's what you feel too, the Holy Spirit prodding you when, when the Bible is read and when things are said about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit. He's pushing on your heart, and, and Peter says, you know what, okay, I'm, I'm done fishing for the day. I'm over it. However, he answers, Master, which means, Sir, you clearly know more than me. You're, you're, you're Lord of this situation. I'll give you ownership, master. Okay? Um, even though uh, you were raised a carpenter and not a fisherman, I'll call you master on this one. Isn't that cool to think about? He's like, I, I'll listen to you on this. Okay? And what's so great about this is, is, is we see Jesus. Oh, this is so good. We'll keep going. Okay. All right. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so... I will let down the nets. These freshly clean nets, Master, I will let them down because you say so. When they had done so, they, not just Peter, but it sounds like both of them are fishing again, right? Isn't that what it sounds like? Everybody's like, you know what? If Peter's going to do it, I'll do it as well. Why? Peter was a leader already in so many ways. Not trying to rhyme, but I had a little bit of time. Just, I'm just kidding. All right. He, I'm just making sure you're listening to, to my dad rhymes, okay? And he saw this, okay. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And these were nets that were cared for, but they began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. I don't know about you, but that would be pretty awesome if I'm doing a job of some sort in life. And somebody says, you know what, you did such a great job. I told you I'd pay you $200 for the job, but here's $1,500. Can you imagine that? Think about that. Okay, so Peter, I'll pull one out maybe. The nets are overflowing. So much money, if you will, just came into his life. This was his job. So much money just came into his life, so much provision. He's overwhelmed by it, so much so that he shares it with his friends, calls in another boat and another net to bring these fish in. This is so good. You're going to love this. Such a large number that he signaled his partners in the other boat to come and help him. And when Simon Peter, he said, Luke says, Simon Peter. Okay, this will make sense later. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus's knees, fell at Jesus's knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I I don't deserve this. And, and if we've read about Peter in Scripture, we know that he denied Christ later. We know that Peter was a flippant person, always on this and that. He's like that guy that gets excited about one thing, fixates on it, and then moves to the next about three days later. You know what I mean by that? This is Peter. And we know his friends, his partners, probably know Peter well. They know him very well. And they know he is probably more of Simon than Peter. That'll make sense in just a moment. But they know that this guy is someone that is just blown by the winds of life. But yet in this moment, Simon Peter is humbled by what Jesus did for him. So much so that he falls to the ground, to his knees. And you can picture him grabbing a hold of Jesus' knees and saying, I am so not worthy of this. I can understand some fish. But you just overwhelmed me with a catch that was more than enough for me that I could share with other people too. Jesus, I'm such a sinful man. I don't deserve this. 
what, is, what does Jesus do for sinful people, right? He gives us what we don't deserve. That's Jesus. He gives grace, and he gave him grace in his profession in this moment, which is a, a predetermining understanding for us that we're going to see more things in the future, but different, and this will make sense in just a moment. As he falls at his knees and says, Jesus, just go away from me. I'm such a sinful man. Just, I can't even stand in your presence. For he and all his companions were astonished. Even people around him were astonished at the catch, perplexed by it, the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee. Those were Simon Peter's partners, Simon's partners. And then Jesus says to Simon, and this is where we get the title today, I'm not afraid. He says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. He says, from now on, you will catch people. From now on, Simon Peter, Simon, Peter, from now on, you will catch people. And he's saying you will catch people which are living things. That'll make sense later as well. You're going to catch people. This is what's so important to see in this story. Real people responding to real Jesus. So they pulled their boats up on the shore left everything and followed him. I don't know about you, but if I quoted a $200 job and received $1,500 in exchange, I might go back to that person and say, hey, do you need any more work done? Do you get what I'm saying? If Jesus provided a miraculous catch and gave such favor, I bet you Peter could have rationalized, well, Jesus, I'll sell the fish. I'll give some to the poor. If I'm blessed, everybody's blessed. Jesus, you know how we roll. It's what I do. It's the heart you gave me. It's in the next moment. He's like, squirrel, okay? But this is Peter. I, I mean, maybe he would stick to the profession because it was lucrative, at least for the one day. Maybe he'd roll the dice on it and go fishing again, thinking that I'll go back to the same spot. You know how it is. Anybody that hunts or fish, it's all about the good spot to get there so you can get the shot or you can get the catch. It's all about the fishing hole. It's all about the blind. It's all about the tree stand. It's all about that if you want to catch something, get something, whatever. But yet, they pulled the boats on shore. And I'm just wondering what happened with the fish. Anybody else with me on that? What happened to the fish? What happened to the $1,500, okay? I don't know. I'm sure he gave it out and fed thousands of people. I don't know. We don't know where all that fits into the picture. Was that part of the feeding? I don't know. I, don't, I literally don't know. We'll, we'll study more later and maybe figure it out. But for today, when you think about this, they left everything and followed him. So here's some things I want us to glean from this story. Already, we could just be done because we've gotten enough to chew on, to fish on, to talk about. But there's some things I want to point out that really impacted me that the Holy Spirit's like, talk about. And what do these things really mean to us today? What meanings can we find in it today as well? The first thing that I think is important for us to understand is that we have to prep the nets. And I think this is so important, but what, what is this net? What is this, this bell-shaped, woven-together thing with weights at the bottom? What is this, this thing that has been made to catch fish? It's the good news message of Jesus Christ. And you think about prepping the net in your life. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing 
their nets. This is the good news. And you think about this in your life. How prepared are you to share the good news message with somebody? Do you own the good news for yourself or are you borrowing somebody else's net? Right? What, what did your salvation experience look like? What is the joy of your salvation? Are we getting some themes from Advent in here? Are you hearing that little bit? Joy? What, what is the joy of your salvation? What is your good news? What did Jesus save you from? And some people are like, I just don't have much of a testimony. I was a good kid. I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. You know what? Everybody needs to be saved because there's sin that separates us from God. So it doesn't matter what you've done. It matters the decision you make. So this is good news to all of us that we can possess and own for ourselves that we are supposed to cast out. I think it's also important to see that we have to follow the directions, right? Luke 5, 4 through 5, that we go where he leads. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Remember, Simon answered to him, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. I can probably, we'll get to it more later, but I can guarantee that God has told you something to do before. Something, okay? Something even small and seemingly insignificant and may seem like it didn't fit into the big picture. But God has given direction. First and foremost, follow Jesus Christ with everything in you. Love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. Those like Derek was talking about are, are just together. Loving God and loving people are together. It's just something that is together, right? Following directions because we know who our master is. The one who knows it all. Who created it all. I don't know about you, but I see God in creation like crazy. Even today, Kara, when we went down to, to the Smokies, she's like, why do you get so excited about every mountain range? It's all the same. I'm like, it's not. It's just different. It's beautiful. But we're, we're, we're 40 feet from it now versus 400 feet from it. She goes, but it's just the same. Because she, does, <laughs> she doesn't appreciate nature like I do. I love you. Not the same. You want to go for a hike? Get bug spray. Right? Get a net. Get a mosquito net on Amazon and just surround her in it, and I'll take her for a walk. I love her. But when you think about God leading you places in this life, it's about going where he says to go. Sharing in the catch. I love this, that no one can do it alone. This is so important for us to understand as we look at the life of Peter, someone that was over-the-top expressive that would try his best to do it by himself. He understood that it's too much for me. It's too much for me. You may be trying to own all of the salvations around you, meaning leading everybody to Christ. I think everybody's going to play a part in this. Some water, some throw down seed, right? Some reap the harvest. And I think it's important for us to understand this, okay? That we have to share the responsibility of this opportunity we have to share the good news message beyond ourselves when they had done so they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break and those in the other boats came over to help them another observation is understanding our sinfulness and this isn't to beat us down this is just understanding human nature i innately want to sin does anybody else understand that about yourself as a fallen human being, you innately want to, 
to, to do what you want. If anything, for me, it's just selfishness, right? That's putting myself before others. Think about that. Not, not in a, an unhealthy way, but putting my, myself before others that my desires are more important versus loving God and my neighbors myself and loving myself in a healthy way. However, in understanding our sinfulness, we begin to grasp his holiness. And that's what, what Luke was trying to get at is the holiness of God. If you read through scripture at all, especially Old Testament, you, sometimes you just, you leave it baffled and perplexed. Has anybody else felt that way when you read through the Old Testament? You read through and you're just like, I don't, I don't get that. And a lot of times I don't get it and I keep reading, okay? But what I'm saying is this, we see a sovereign God who existed before time. We look at creation way before everything. There was, and that's what gets me to what was before God. I got nothing. You get what I mean? But we see him in his interaction with mankind as a holy, righteous God. And I don't understand it all, but when I see Jesus come in flesh, I get a picture of God. That's what we got. A picture of God and his holiness and we see that Peter did not deserve the catch, did he? But yet grace said, I'll bless you in this profession. Why? Because Jesus was showing Peter something about his future. You think this catch is amazing? Wait till you see what I do through you. And one day, after Peter spoke with boldness the word of God, 3,000 were added to the church. Whew. Talk about a big net. Talk about a good news message. You may think you're insignificant and your story doesn't matter. People probably looked at Peter and like, this dude is a sinful hot mess. What he said to Jesus in response to that catch was 100% true. But yet Jesus gives him grace on the spot. Grace on the spot. And this is something we don't typically give ourselves, let alone others. Listen. You guys are on the same floor right now. We're all the same. We're all sinful, normal, sinful, meaning that's just nature and have fallen. But by the grace of God through Christ Jesus, we have been and can be saved. All of us. All of us. And we look at Peter in this moment saying, I don't deserve this. He's like, you're right. But that's not how I work. That's not how my upside-down kingdom's going to look. Because the people that deserve it don't get it. Because grace doesn't work that way. Do you get what I'm saying? He's saying there that this is way different than anything we've ever seen. Jesus is saying, Peter, what's going to happen in and through you, these folk that are going to start the church, uppercase C, is going to be like nothing this world has ever seen before. It's going to blow. You think, you think people are astonished now and their minds are blown now? Wait till then. 3,000 one day added to the church because of one person standing up, boldly proclaiming. Understanding, guys, <laughs> we don't have it all together. Who does? If they say they do, don't trust them, okay? <laughs> are you with me? I trust people who walk with a limp. That means they've been hurt before and they understand pain. I, I trust people who have scars, scars that prove healing 
not brokenness. Do you get what I'm saying? That's what this is about. This is what God came to set up through Christ Jesus and to perpetuate through the apostolic movement of mankind. Okay? This just blowing my mind. I love it. I'm so excited. So the fifth thing, and we're, we're driving it home, and worship team, you guys can make your way up, is to get out of the boat, to completely answer the call. I'm reminded of another story of Peter where he jumped out on the water to go to Christ in the midst of a dark night. You remember that story? If you haven't heard it, read it. It's awesome. Peter, overzealous, excited, the one who gets excited for chopping off ears and stuff and defending Jesus to the very end, and then like three rooster crows and he's peaced out. You know what I'm saying by that? That Peter. This is the guy that walked on water with Jesus as long as he kept his eyes on Christ Jesus. But when he began to look to the left or right or look down, when doubt crept in, which is human nature, he began to sink. Jesus reaches out his hand, and I always picture Jesus like this, pulling us up out of the darkness, right? Because he is the light. Ooh, Advent came back in. He's pulling us out. So I'm reminded of, of here, Jesus getting into Peter's boat, taking over this profession, showing Peter that I'm also going to help you. I'm going to, I'm, if you let me take over your life, you're not going to be a puppet, but I'm going to help you. Okay, and then we're going to talk about just a moment about the calls of Peter that we adapt, adapted from a Spurgeon sermon, actually. But he's saying, completely answer the call. And this is where we I'm not afraid. Luke 5, 10 through 11, Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats to the shore, left everything. The lucrative family business, the valuable nets that I'm sure they made and took hours upon hours to make, just left them. And left all the fish that they caught is what it seems like to follow Jesus. So these three calls of Peter that we see in Scripture, and this Thinks pretty close, we'll see. We see that Peter is called to faith. John 1, 42. And this is important for us to grab a hold of this for ourselves this morning. He's called to faith, to belief in and through Christ Jesus. This is where Simon was named Peter. Because Jesus comes to him and Simon, you know, reed blown by the wind, one that is blown around by the wind, to Petros, to rock, one that is sturdy, something that I can work with, I can build upon. This was his call to faith in and through Christ Jesus. That makes sense. He's called to faith. We see in Matthew 4, 18 through 19, that he's called to follow. It's important to see for him to not just be a believer, but a follower, a disciple of Christ. When you picture a follower... You picture you walking through the same storms, walking through the same mud puddles, walking through the same dust, walking through the same situations because you're following the one who's leading you. Jesus is calling him to follow me, right, in this way, to become my disciple. But then we see that he's called to fish in Matthew 10, 1 through 12, that Peter is called to be an apostle, which is one who is sent with the good news message. And I think that's so important for us 
with life beyond Advent, beyond Christmas, is that we are called to faith, belief in Christ Jesus and what he's done. I will remind you of this until I'm blue in the face, until I die. So that's just, you'll hear it. We're called, to, we're called to faith and belief in Christ Jesus. No way to the Father, but through the Son. We're called to follow, to become a disciple of Christ Jesus, that his dust, his dirt, his grime, where he's going is on our face because we're following him. But we're, we're called to the apostolic movement, not typical that you would hear, one who is sent as a messenger to go. And the only way this thing is going to work, this thing, the Foundry Church, Church of Morgantown, the church period, is if you go. These guys, pastors, they're the voices in the desert crying out, preparing a way for the Lord. I'm not fit or worthy to tie Jesus' sandals. No, I'm not, because he wants, I'm not fit to do your work. You are. I don't go to your school. I don't live in your house. I'm not married to your wife or husband. That would be weird. I don't have your children. We may have them in student ministry or kids ministry, but they're not mine. You get what I'm saying? I'm not in your family, your extended family. I don't go to your grocery store. I may see you there sometimes. Crow ghetto, let's go. Okay. And Walmart, great deals. But I'm not you. And I'm not Peter. I'm definitely not Jesus. But you are called to do a work. And I can't herald it enough. You may say, you say this all the time. Yeah, and I'll never stop because I'll stand for not saying it. If I don't say it, I'm accountable. It's not what I do say as a pastor. It's what I don't say that's even worse. That's the truth, meaning I'll speak the truth. Cord, that's the truth, right? I hear you, bro. That's the truth. So what I, I kind of firmly believe is that God has already spoken things to you. And as we prayed before service today, I feel like God has called you probably multiple times to do things, but you're typically just like me too afraid to step out of the boat. Right? But everybody knows who I am. They know me as Simon, not Peter. They know me as the one that is blown by the wind in every type of situation, circumstance, and I'm squirrel. They know me as that. But yet Jesus says, you're not that because my grace has made you Peter. You having faith in me has made you Peter. You being willing to follow me and have my dirt on your face as a disciple has made you Peter. But my calling upon your life to go and make disciples has made you Peter as well. It's in you, this calling. And if you're anything like I was, especially when I was 16 and going down the wrong path, because it was 14 to 16, and 16 it was full grown, sin, full grown. I would leave student ministry. I would leave and try to silence everything the Holy Spirit was saying. And I wish I wouldn't have then. However, there's grace. There's grace that came. My row is filled with grace that came to my life in human form 
just like Jesus said, the expressed grace of God through a human. I'm telling you today as a human that you have a chance to experience grace. Will you receive it? You have an, exp- an opportunity to step forward in your call. In the faith, as a follower, and as a leader, will you accept it? Will you do the last thing that he told you to do? Pat was saying this. In 2019, God spoke things to our lives. Will we listen to that before we even try to get into what he wants next? If you don't steward what he's already said, why would he give you more? What's in your hand? Okay? God, we thank you so much. God, we thank you so much for your presence. Lord, we thank you that your desire was to send your only begotten son, but to take him back with you. Why? Because in the words of Jesus, that he would send us someone that would be in us, which is his spirit, the spirit of God, the same one that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, the same one that was there in the very beginning, hovering about the earth, the same spirit that helped the prophets, the same spirit that was in the New Testament move, the same spirit that was at Pentecost, the same one that is here today. That's why. Why did you do that, God? Why did you take, why couldn't you let Jesus just live on earth forever? Because you wanted to show us that you wanted to use us to perpetuate the good news message of Jesus and what he did. That you wanted us from that point to do greater things, not greater miracles, but numerically more. That you would send us from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the world. That that God, through us, your church, you would work that healing would flow forth, that divine words would flow forth, that your spirit would rest in us and move through us, that you would bring hope, that you would bring joy, that you would bring peace, that you would bring love. You would bring your light so your light could shine through us to others. Lord, we expect a life of spirit-led movement from our hearts. And this morning, we commit to you. God, as the pastor of this church, I do not want to do it alone. Actually, I want to step back and watch you do it through your people. Because then it ain't about me, it's about us. God, I want to see a move in this community that has been unprecedented. And it's not a move of tent services or never-ending revivals. It's a move of people being the tent, the tabernacle, allowing you to take up residence within them and to be a people that draw circles around themselves and say, start right here and go with me. Lord, you're putting a revolving door on this place so we can be sent out, and we thank you for it. So, Lord, we just say yes to faith. We say yes to follow. We say yes to fish because your desire was for us to catch living fish. Catch and release. Catch and release. That's what we do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being in us. We worship you. Because you're here. 
you're with us, moving in our midst, every part of us. For that reason, we have reason to worship. We love you. Thank you. Amen. So during this time of reflection, uh, make a decision to follow Christ. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Repent. Turn from sin. Turn to him. Allow grace to take its work into your life. Make its work into your life. Be changed by grace. Choose to follow. Become a disciple of Christ. Get his dust on your face. Go for it. Choose to be one. Choose to be one who wants to fish, not has to fish. Are you with me? Cast the gospel net. Go out into deep where you're trusting in him, where it's not on you where you fished before, right? Trust him. Stand with me this morning. If you would like to receive prayer, I'll be over there. Pat will be over this way. Respond accordingly. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Foundry Podcast. We hope it has been a blessing to you. For more information on service times and upcoming events, visit our website at thefoundrywv.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at thefoundrywv.